Hello listeners, this is Emma Graney, Edmonton Journal Provincial Affairs Reporter. Thank you for tuning in to the Press Gallery. The interview, do subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, wherever else you happen to podcast and then you'll get all of the episodes straight to your device. This week, we talk to Strathmore Brooks, MLA and leader of the Freedom Conservative Party, Derek Fildebrand. That's coming up now here on the Press Gallery interview. Hello, my name is Emma Graney. I'm the Edmonton Journal Provincial Affairs Reporter. Welcome to the Press Gallery interview. This is coming to you on Wednesday, October 31st. Halloween. Spooky. And with me today, Derek Fildebrand, the leader of the Freedom Conservative Party, Alberta's newest political party. How are you, Derek? G'day. I'm good. <laughs> oh, and you're starting off that way, are we? It's going to be like that. Yeah, it's going to be like that. That's excellent. Hey, so let's talk about your party. Why did you um, set up a new party? Tell me a little bit about them. Well, I love a good party. So we need a new one. <laughs> um, you know, I was a very, very big booster of merging the Wild Rose and PC parties. Um, there were several reasons for that, but I really believed we would get the best of both. We would get the grassroots democracy and uh principled conservatism of the wild rose with maybe some of the more professionalism uh and legacy good parts of the legacy hopefully of the pc party Mm -hmm. but you know as the way things progressed i think that we've really just gotten the worst of both you know we got kind of some of the kookiness that came with wild rose but then we just got a return of all the old cronies and bag men and lobbyists who ran the pc party who ndp is critical i believe to the to the future of alberta but I don't think simply a return to where we were in May 2015 is the answer. Uh, I, I think that we need uh, a much greater reset rather than a course correction. I think we need a U-turn. And that uh, I, I, th- I personally think that the NDP are doomed in the next election. I think there is uh, very little, however it is possible, but there's very little that can save them. And the question is, uh, how can we have the most conservative and the most grassroots-focused government possible? And I think the way to do that is to have a strong voice in the legislature for uh, a more libertarian-oriented conservatism and uh, potentially, if we're successful enough, to hold the balance of power the way uh, the uh, People's Alliance Party does now in British Cl- uh, in, uh, New Brunswick. Because the Alberta Party kind of would like to hold a well. You know, we kind of like to hold a balance of power too. And you're two very, very different parties. Um, do you really think that either of you guys have a hope to do that? Well, it's up to Albertans to determine. Yeah. And a lot of it is uh, outside of our hands. I mean, how many seats we can win is somewhat in our hands, in our voters' hands. Uh, but holding the balance of power means other parties not entirely collapsing. So if the NDP were to completely collapse, uh, then, you know, even with 10 seats, you perhaps don't hold the balance of power. Uh I think the NDP are very likely to lose the next election. Uh, the chances of a complete collapse uh, seem smaller than they did a year ago. Uh, the polls have consistently showed the Tories ticking down nearly 20 points, actually. If you go from uh, mm. when it was just generic UCP before the leadership vote uh, until the, the latest polls we've seen, although the latest polls have been some time ago. Uh, you know, politicians and journalists are always hungry for these things. And then we claim, uh, then, then we then we say out loud, well, they don't really matter. We're not really paying attention to them. <laughs> but secretly, we're like a junkie just waiting for the next fix on it. But, uh, you know, it, it's up to Albertans to determine. But holding the balance of power or not, uh, I think having a, having a strong Freedom Conservative Party voice in the next legislature 
will make for a more conservative government than you would have with just the Tories on their own. So now the Freedom Conservative Party, and we've chatted about this before and for various stories, um, how do you... How do you put your party in a nutshell here? Explain to me what you're about. Well, we believe that if adults are not hurting anybody else, it's none of the government's bloody business, period. Um, We're, you know, a traditional Tory party, you can can normally sum up most of where they stand on any given issue by where liberals stood five years ago. And debates within the party are, well, should we be liberals of five years ago or ten years ago? Well, the Freedom Conservative Party, we're liberals of 100 years ago. We're more like Sir Wilfrid Laurier. We're classical liberals. We're more libertarian. And we're not interested in the normal culture wars. We don't, you know, we're not, the NDP are social progressives who think that everything is about diversity. Everything is about um, fighting these boogeymen. And uh, conservatives are often a little reticent to embrace full social freedoms. Uh, I mean, Andrew Scheer, it took nearly a week to clarify if he would recriminalize marijuana, um, you know, after after it was finally legalized. Is that, though, because they're just scared of alienating the more socially conservative side of their base? Look, I represent a pretty socially conservative riding. I represent... Yeah. Uh, right, Strathmore poss- Brooks, yeah. Strathmore Brooks is one of the most conservative patches in the country. And uh, I certainly have constituents who do not like the idea of marijuana. I... I'm paranoid enough. I, I can't smoke the stuff. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but I but I tell people that you don't have to approve of something to believe that it should not be against the law to do it as long as you're not hurting anybody else. And so, you know, th- that's just one small litmus is- issue, perhaps. But we believe in both social freedoms and uh, economic freedoms. And, you know, there's a difference between a social progressive and a social libertarian. We just don't care what you do in your personal life if you're not hurting anybody else. We don't think that we need to applaud you or or think that you're doing something good with it. We just don't think the government should be there to judge you for it. So, you know, we are, our, our, our f- most firm foundation is about freedom, freedom for individual Albertans and freedom for Alberta. We are not a traditional federalist party. We are not, we are the only registered political party in this province that rejects the status quo of Alberta's current place in confederation. Uh, it might be a very inaccurate and generalized comparison, but we're, you know, we're probably comparable to the CAQ, the new governing party of Quebec. Uh, we do not accept the the status quo of federalism in this country, but neither are we separatists. Right. We want uh, massive reform to our place in Confederation, and we want to see Alberta assert maximum independence under the Constitution that provinces are allowed. So, when can we expect to actually see hard and fast policies? I mean. Obviously, before the election, but what is a timeline here for for you guys to say, hey, here's a platform, check it out? Well, a a full platform is likely to come at the beginning of an election. Yep. Uh, But you're going to see us rolling out um, perhaps preview planks of the platform uh, beginning quite soon. We've uh, we've been undertaking some detailed policy work, particularly in those areas where, you know, on virtually any given issue, we're probably going to be the most conservative party in the province. But on those areas that are very distinctive, where no one's talking about an issue, like Alberta taking back powers under the con- under the Constitution that provinces have the right to, but only Quebec asserts, things like immigration or collecting our own taxes. But uh, yeah, we're going to be releasing detailed policy papers on things like 
Uh, how do you actually get rid of the full carbon tax? Not just two-thirds of the carbon tax the way the Tories will. Uh, how would we take provincial control over immigration the way Quebec has? And what would we want to do differently from it with it uh, than the federal government's doing? What would we want to do with the administration of the Firearms Act? So these, these are areas of policy that don't have very much previous history in the province right now because no other parties have uh, talked about taking direct control of them from the federal government. And when you say we, I mean, who's we here? Because you haven't had a policy convention or anything yet, have you? So like, who's co- who's coming up with these with these policies and these ideas? Aside from you sitting there in your living room, just jotting stuff down, I assume? Yeah, I, I, I do sit in my living room and jot stuff down, whatever, you know, things that come to my head. You know, so when I say we, I mean the provincial board of governors of the party. That's uh, roughly about 16 folks across the province okay. who govern the party. My staff, both on the party side and on the uh, the caucus side, uh, in consultation with our members. So we're looking forward to a uh, founding policy convention. Uh, some of that is going to be... So we separated policy convention from the leadership vote because we thought... Yep. Uh, you know, the resources of a new party don't quite allow us to have one of those big three-day extravaganzas where you could charge three or four hundred bucks a ticket. Uh, we're not quite... Uh, we, we don't have the capacity to do that. So there are we, also $8 a beer at those things. So good on you for not doing it. We would never do it. We actually, uh, we're, we're planning on having barbecue and uh, moonshine. Okay, yep. That seems fiscally responsible, That's Derek. That's the way we got to do it. Mm. But uh, so, you know, we, we, we would have to do it in a single day. We, we've, we determined we didn't have the time to do a leadership vote, especially if it was going to be contested, uh, to elect a board. Uh, to, to write a policy document from scratch and to write a full constitution from scratch and actually allow members enough time to write it without it just being imposed on them. So uh, the time we're going to have a founding policy convention. Uh, some of that will depend, though, on the timing of the election. So that's to be determined exactly when we're going to hold it. But uh, our, our policies are set by members. They're, uh, the leader does not hold the pen on policy in a way that can override what the members want. But we do have our founding principles as a party. Uh, in, the, in the founding charter of the Freedom Conservative Party, we laid out our three broad principles. That is freedom for Albertans, a freedom for uh, Alberta and responsibility for Alberta's government. And we laid out some sub points from there that guide the party going forward. And all of our policies will fo- flow from that. You took there about the membership holding the pen on policy. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and assume, call me crazy, that that is perhaps a slight dig at uh, Jason Kenney and his former grassroots guarantee, which then turned into I hold the ultimate pen here anyways. Oh, no reference at all. No. <laughs> no reference. No. Speaking of Jason Kenney and the UCP juggernaut, I mean, you are going to be up against them in your writing, which, as you say, is a conservative writing. Um, what, do you, what do you reckon your chances are of winning your seat there? It's going to be good, I think, but, uh, you know, the great downfall of the Tories in the last election was entitlement to a power, a belief that you can't lose. Uh, they had, in their minds, crushed the Wild Rose. The NDP were 12% in the polls until the day the two-thirds of the Wild Rose caucus crossed the floor. So it was inconceivable anybody could do anything else. Uh, they were going to win and they could do anything they wanted. And we see a lot of the same behaviors here today when, you know, when you've got uh, an opposition leader measuring the drapes of the premier's office, thinking it's just a matter of time and they could do anything they want. It leads to an arrogance and entitlement to power that makes great mistakes. And I'm not going to make the same mistake in my constituency. In the last election, you know, before I just, you know, Wild Rose was considered completely crushed. I wasn't sure if that was the case or not. And I did a poll before I launched uh, my campaign for the nomination for the Wild Rose and Strathmore Brooks, and Wild Rose was at 14%. 
14% what was supposed to be our strongest riding. Dang. And we just worked our ass off. I knocked on every single door in the riding that wasn't a farm. And then I just called the farms. And in the end, we had uh, one of the biggest opposition margins of victory anywhere in the province. So we're just going to work our asses off. I know in, in my riding, the newly redrawn riding of Chestermere Strathmore, the Tories are outraged that we have the temerity to run at all. They, they assume that this would be a riding where they don't have to knock on a single door, put down a single sign, they could take it for granted, and everyone can either take it easy or go into Calgary. And their plans are now to pull, every, pull everything they can out of Calgary to, to, to try and stop me in uh, Chestermere Strathmore. But, you know, people on the ground there are upset. You know, Jason, uh, you know, less than a year ago today, uh, you know, Jason and I sat down and he says, Derek, I want you to run the next election, but you can't run in your, the newly combined riding of Chestermere Strathmore. You can run anywhere you want in Alberta, but you can't run there. And I said, why? That's, that's my riding. And he said, how would it look? And here's his exact quote was, how would it look if a blonde bearded redneck were to defeat one of our only women and visible minorities in the caucus? I said, what the hell does that have to do with anything? And have you been to Strathmore? We're, we're rednecks. Who cares? We don't care about your sex or your, or your skin color there. And he said it was just a matter of public perception that we can't uh, lose someone when we've only got uh, two women in the caucus. And that was the beginning of our fallout, was uh, the issue of can people choose who their own candidate is in the riding. And, uh, and that continued on. It wasn't just me not allowed to challenge for the nomination of Chesmere Strathmore. They wouldn't let... I, I know of half a dozen other people who were just told to bugger off we're not going to sign your papers. Don't waste your time. And a lot of people know that on the ground. And they understand that if uh, you're, the candidate is picked for you, but if you're conservative and your conservative candidate is picked for you by someone uh, sitting in Edmonton, then the people ha don't get a, voice, uh, a vote. They get a spokesman for the government to them, not them to the government. On that, you, you did reference there your eventual falling out, <laughs> um, which was... It was kind of a public falling out in a, in a way. I mean, you know, that's also part of part of the media. Well, it was a private well. falling out long beforehand. Right. Okay. So you guys just didn't um, see eye to eye on stuff, or, or what? It, it was over the issue of uh, should I run a Chestmere Strathmore or not. He said I could run anywhere I want in the province, including against other members of the caucus who I had uh, my riding co combined with. Uh, my riding was split into five different ridings. Mm. Part went to Old Disbury Three Hills, part went to what became Cardston Siksika, part went to Brooks Medicine Hat, part went to Airdrie East. Um, actually, I, I wasn't allowed to run in that part either, but it was, that's a small part of the riding. Right. But I could not run in my part of the riding, and, uh, and that was really the beginning of uh, the fallout between us. So you once famously said politics is full of bullshit. Do you still feel that way? And, and how do you feel coming back now after everything that happened? Well, politics is full of bullshit. I mean, uh, we've known that. Uh, since, since politics. Eight, yeah. As long as there's been <laughs> politics, we've known it's full of bullshit. Uh, in, in every form of political system, democracies and not, uh, you know, it could be court intrigue. It can be, it could be the Roman Senate. Uh, it's going to be full of guile and trickery and deceit, but it's also going to be full of people who just want to do the right thing. I, I think, you know, politics does attract people who... Um, just want a piece of the cake, but I think it it also does attract really good people who want to make a difference and, and uh, in public life. But a lot of those folks along the way they begin with one compromise because you have to make compromise in politics. They make a compromise to get half a loaf instead of a full loaf, but then they make another compromise and another, and then somewhere down the road, you might find yourself doing things uh, that are compromising the very integrity of. 
of, of the process itself. And I think career politicians, if you've been in it for so long, if you know nothing else, if you've done nothing but politics for 20 or 30 years, um, the ends justify the means every time. And you have this class of folks in all parties in politics who are just professional political staffers and professional politicians. And for them, it's a very different game than uh, those of us who are newer to it and perhaps uh, a little more idealistic about the way things work. Now, Derek, a lot happened to you last year. You were in the media a lot for uh, potentially what one might say as the wrong reasons. You, of course, rented out your taxpayer-funded apartment on Airbnb. Uh, You had some double-dipping on expenses. There was that hit-and-run with your truck and your neighbor's vehicle. And, of course, then the hunting charges that you faced. I'm curious as to how tough it was to come back into the ledge and back into the public eye when you are under that level of scrutiny and you have gone through all of that. It was tough, but you have to bite the bullet. Did you want to come back or did you just want to go and like, I don't know, hide in your house and say... Well, um, actually, I did. To get away, I went hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's ironic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did you pay attention to where you were shooting stuff this time? I'm going to get a tattoo on my trigger finger that says, check the bloody map. Uh, (laughs) Don't trust trust your iPhone GPS. It's not quite reliable. Well, look, uh, you know, some of it was tough because, you know, some areas I screwed up, some areas I didn't. They were just wrong. Like the so-called hit and run didn't happen. The expense thing was 192 bucks over two and a half years, which was a simple accounting error from someone who filed it. And I do not mean this as a dig at you or even the media, but well, maybe a little dig at the media. But, you know, we put out an expense review uh, about a month or month and a half ago showing that, you know, I had underexpensed for work expenses, nearly $9,000 over the exact same period, underexpensed, paid out of pocket for work expenses. And there wasn't even a back page story anywhere. So when it's 192 bucks over two and a half years for a clear accounting error, these things were like an egg McMuffin and like a corned beef sandwich at the Brooks Hotel uh, and a Christmas dinner for my staff. That was front page news. But when we underexpense by 9000 bucks over the exact same period, it didn't even get a blog post anywhere. And so some of it, you know, some things were honest screw-ups, and I took responsibility. Uh, maybe the lesson is don't be like a normal politician. Don't take responsibility. Just, just deny anything has ever happened and make it go away. But, you know, when I screwed up, I took responsibility for it. But even where I didn't screw up, I just kind of ended up biting the bullet because I was told by Kenny and crew, just, just bite it because it'll bite us too. Now, you're sitting in, the, um, sitting in the back corner there, Siberia of the legislature, you called it the other day. Uh, it's getting bigger, though. It's getting more heavily populated. What's it like down in there these days? You've got Prab Gill has joined you now. It's a little less lonely. I mean, uh, it's, I think, I'm have not you, sure Have you and Prab Gill bonded over the fact you both got booted out of the UCP? Uh, well, Prab and I have been friends for a long time, actually. Uh, Prab, uh, I, I spent a lot of time campaigning against them in the Greenway by-election. I never knew the guy, uh, but when he got elected, uh, we actually really got along. He turned out to become, I think, the most conservative member of, of the PC caucus and really outspoken. Uh, so we, we've been friends ever since. N- now that he's uh, sitting in, the, in Siberia, you know, we'll have, we have more time to chat. Uh, we're kind of, I guess we'll, we'll be kind of those kids in the back of the classroom throwing paper airplanes. Who might you be throwing them at, Derek? <laughs> uh, the teacher. <laughs> Robert Wanner, the speaker, is going to love that, right? <laughs> Just finally, what do you see happening next year in politics? Obviously, there's an election coming up and 
But what do you see happening in over the next year and also in the approach up to the election? Well, if there's one thing I've learned in Alberta politics is that no one could predict a year out. But I will attempt to do exactly that. <laughs> Good on you. Um, but, but, you know, if you would have predicted uh, in October 2014 that two months later, two-thirds of the official opposition would cross the floor to the Tories, and that uh, three months after that, the NDP, which were at 12% in the polls at the time, would form a majority government, the Tories would be in third place, and the Wild Rose would come back with even more seats, you would have been sent to a drug treatment clinic. And then if, you know, if uh, a year after the election, people would have, you know, if you would have predicted that the Wild Rose and PC parties would have merged and that a federal politician who had never been involved in provincial politics would be the leader of it, you would have similarly been sent to an asylum. Uh, So what we predict today, I'm sure we'll be wrong. Uh, What what, what do I think is going to happen, though? Well, I'm going to give you my likely wrong prediction. If there is an election this spring, and most indications there are there will be, I think the NDP will lose one way or another. The the route of the the size of the route, I think, will be a lot smaller than it would have been if the election was held a year ago. But I think there is going to be we, we are not going to return to the placid, placid lake of Alberta politics where nothing changes and we're in one party rule. That has permanently changed. We have been going through a period of tumult since the Wild Rose emerged onto the scene before the 2012 election, and I don't think things are just going to settle back down to one-party state rule. I think the NDP will be gone, but I think there is going to be room for smaller third parties to break in. The Alberta Party, I think, will break through a bit. I I don't think nearly as ambitiously as they would hope. Uh, I think the FCP will break through. I hope as ambitiously (laughs) as we hope. Um, but, you know, there has always been in Alberta generally a, a party on the right, normally located in rural or small town Alberta, that is more populist and is not an establishment party. And so I, I think that uh, the NDP are gone. You heard it here first, Derek Fildebrand giving us his, uh, his crystal ball into 2019 there. Derek Fildebrand, thank you so much for joining me here on the Press Gallery interview. Of course, the MLA for Strathmore Brooks and leader of Alberta's newest party, the Freedom Conservative Party. Quick reminder to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating if you're enjoying what you're hearing. And join us again on Friday for our regular panel discussions analyzing all the goings-on in Alberta politics this week here on the Press Gallery. Thank you.